love that. Well, once you hit rock bottom, the only way to go is up. So, so good luck. Okay, good luck. You say rock bottom, but like, it just seems like things keep getting worse. What What is rock bottom? Who decides what's the bottom of all this? I mean, seriously, you go, okay, today is Friday, and I woke up in Cleveland, and I'm going, how much worse can it get? Don't me down, you piece of shit! Shut your mouth! Look at me, Tony. Look at me. I want you to fire me. You fucking mark! Fire me! Fire me! How you think they gonna feel when they introduce your boys as the new... WWE, Undisputed, Tag Team, Champion. Oh no, who's they might be cheering. Yeah. They might be booing. Yeah. Little kids might be crying. Oh yeah. We got grown men out there crying. Yeah. But they still might be hating on the Uso. Hating on us. Why? Because we went out there and did what we said we was going to do. Yeah. Buffalo, all your babbling is interfering with my machine. So for the next few minutes, please just do me a favor and kindly shoot. Don't know a brave from a buccaneer, a firestone from a good year, and I don't care. And she don't know the hell I used to raise back in my bad old days before she got here. She knows and I know that I'd be a mess without her. I ain't crazy. I'm just crazy about her But she says how long I'll say forever I swear I'll leave and I'll tell her never And sometimes I don't say nothing Cause a kiss just says it better Says did you miss me and say all day I sip I fall and I tell her too late Sometimes I tell her in a love song just in case So there ain't no way that she don't know Don't know how fast this old heart beats But she says she loves me I still can't believe That no matter how much I say I can't find the words to say it Like I mean it But I mean it She says how long I'll say forever I swear I'll leave and I'll tell her never Sometimes I don't say nothing Cause a kiss just says it better Says did you miss me I say all day I sip my phone and I tell her too late Sometimes I tell her in a love song Just in case So there ain't no way That she don't know I'd be a mess without her I ain't crazy I'm just crazy about her But she says how long I'll say forever I swear I'll leave and I'll tell her never And sometimes I don't say nothing Cause the kiss
pancakes So there ain't no way that she don't know No, there ain't no way that she don't know Salutations, everybody. Welcome to episode 313 of the Hoots Podcast. It's Thursday, June 9, 2022. I'm recording this bad boy live in the Good Bird Studio in lovely, lovely Chicago, Illinois. As you can hear within the sound of my voice, it is Julie, the nefarious brother, Adam, a.k.a. Joshy Lopez. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh Lopez Media. Make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Also, if you want to see me do some guitar covers, make sure to check out at Josh Lopez Music also on Instagram. Welcome to the program, everybody. Uh, hope you have a good week, a uh, good start to June. Um, I feel like we all have just went through 30-plus wrestling shows, plus a lot of outside-of-the-ring stuff, but... Um, <laughs> That's the charm of what we do here uh, with the Hoots Podcast and just general podcasting in general. We'll try to k- catch up as much as we can. There's a lot to dis- discuss and there's a lot that's coming forward and coming up soon um, on Horizon. Speaking of Horizons, I was at the Rosemont Horizon this past Sunday for WWE Hell in the Cell, which you'll hear my review for that said program in this week in WWE. Um, I want to thank each and every single one of you who have been supporting the Hoots Podcast since day one, or even if you've been rocking with us recently. Uh, thank you guys for the support. I see the numbers that we get each week, and it's very humbling. Uh, the numbers is not my basis of whether the show's doing good or not, but it's the feedback and um, and the effect it has on other people. So when you listen to the show for five minutes or ten minutes, or a whole full-length episode. I really do appreciate you guys giving this uh, podcast a chance. I know there's a lot out there. There's a lot of shows out there that are rooted in negativity and just uh, all about booking. And I'm sure those are the popular ones that you may like to cling to. But here with the Hoops Podcast, we pride ourselves on authentic conversations and being ourselves. So I'm not going to come here and say stuff just to get likes and retweets and new followers on Twitter. Uh, I really don't care about wrestling Twitter. I never have, and I never will. Um, I pride myself on telling you how I see the world of wrestling through my eyes. I have a different perspective because I cover the industry uh, without an agenda of, you know, I'm going to base my coverage on whatever my confirmation by is towards this topic, towards this promotion, towards this performer. I don't do that shit. Uh, I put the same amount of effort into a AEW article as I do a WWE article or any other promotion you want to bring up. Um, I leave no stone on turn when it comes to my transfers, uh, especially. But also here on the Hoots Podcast, you know, we have our segments. We have a lot of fun. But I, I think what really makes us stand out for the rest is that we apply context to the stuff that we're talking about. And also, yeah, I'm just not going to say shit just for the sake of saying shit. Um, and uh, I want you guys to feel like we're having a back porch conversation. We have fun. We crack jokes. I can give out life lessons. And this podcast is something that I'm very proud of. And I, I say it each, every, each and every single week. But it's true. Uh, this is one of my favorite parts of the week. 
because this is my platform for me to really open my heart to you guys, let uh, my soul out, and just be myself and just uh, talk freely and openly because I don't get a lot of these opportunities. And, you know, I've, I've thought about a lot of different things recently about, you know, maybe trying to do some more video content or, you know, maybe start a different podcast about sports or something like that. Uh, try to spread the wealth, I guess, <laughs> not just wrestling all the time. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm very fortunate and grateful for what we have here with the Hoots Pockets. And also, I'm very grateful for the fact that we've had Brother Carter here on the show uh, for, I don't know, more frequently for the last two or three, or f- I think almost three or four years now. And um, uh, Brother Carter reached out to me after we were done recording the show last week saying that he's going to be uh, taking his summer hiatus. So... I don't know what's going to happen. You know, maybe one week you guys will hear Brother Carter via satellite. Maybe another week he won't. Maybe he'll pop up here. I'm not really sure. But um, I, I told him, you know, you more than anybody deserves your time off and enjoy your summer vacation. And I'm very, very appreciative of the time that Brother Carter has given to this podcast and the effort he puts into it. Notwithstanding the fact that he has a very busy busy career outside of wrestling and that he um he's a college uh professor uh he works in the music industry and he's um very good at his job and and you know doing classical music and you know being tied down to charts and you know everything that goes within playing actual music uh, takes a lot out of you, and it's very time-consuming as well. And uh, he does a lot of other stuff outside of that as well. And I, I'm very appreciative for the time that he's given to the show. Um, this is not an old oh, card's going away for the Hoots podcast, blah, 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 blah. He's still part of this thing. He is the director of operations after all. But I just want to let you guys know that uh, going forward for the next couple of weeks, so, or depending how long this hiatus is going to be, uh, it's all on him. But I just want to say I'm very grateful uh, for what Burkhardt brings to the show and the fact that he is uh, the co-creator with uh, within myself of What the Hell is Wrong with AWR flagship segment. Uh, that won't go away, but uh, it'll definitely be missed with his uh, perspective on things. And there's a charm and a wit to Brother Carter that you can't find in a lot of people. And I, I'm glad to call him a brother. Uh, he's been there for me during some really rough times, especially uh, this time last year when I was in uh, Central Florida. I, Facebook does a good job sometimes hitting me in the fields, and uh, you know you'll get these like Facebook memories type of posts and stuff like that, right? And today, as I'm recording this, uh, was literally the day that I flew down back to Florida uh, for my two week uh, staycation. And boy, did that just bring back a lot of memories this morning. So um, here I am, going to cheer myself up and just have some fun with you guys. So let's, let's get into it. Uh, like I said, we'll get to Hell in the Cell. There's a lot going on. Uh, with that, I, I, I feel I'd be doing other promotions uh, a disservice by not bringing them up in different segments. So what I'm going to do is... Uh, in this first part of the podcast here, I'm going to talk about our Good Brothers Q&A session. But also, you get two previews and predictions. So, um, right now, we'll do the Q&A plus a preview of predictions for NWA Always Ready, which is taking place in Knoxville on Saturday on Fight. And also, New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion Show in Osaka 
taking place on Sunday on New Japan World. So you're getting two predictions right off the bat here on the Hoots Podcast plus the Good Brothers Q&A session. So enough hemming and hawing here. <laughs> let's have some fun here and uh, let's have some fun with the Hoots Podcast. All right. So as per ritual, we usually start off these uh, fun podcasts with the good brother Chris Zaletta at xteenzaletta24x on Twitter. He says, predictions for the Dominion card. You, my friend, will have to wait long because I'll get to that very soon. Next question. Do we think we get Bobby versus Brock to down the road? I certainly hope so. Um, I I like it to be a standalone thing where it's not just to further along another program that Brock or Bobby are involved in. Um, I liked what I did see at the Royal Rumble, so hopefully we do get a chance to see Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley uh, Part 2. I don't know if that's going to happen at SummerSlam. I know Brock Lesnar was initially advertising those uh, early uh, posters and stuff like that. SummerSlam is in Nashville this year. Man, if I had the money to like make that weekend work, I would go. I, I Part of me really wants to go to SummerSlam this year because I've never been to Nashville. You guys know me being a damn uh, guitar player and a country music nut recently. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I've never been to Nashville before. It's not that far from Chicago, and um, I'd love to check check it out. But anyways, going back to your question, Chris, uh, yes, I would love, I would love to uh, see Bobby and Brock get another chance for a singles match. Um Here's an interesting one here. Uh, thoughts on the changes to uh, Judgment Day? Uh, I I loved it. Uh, I didn't see it coming. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the other things that, for those who are listening or watching the Hoots podcast for the first time, is that I like to call out nonsense that I see on social media and that, you know, there's so many on-the-surface rants and tweets and hot takes that you see on social media that people act like there's the gospel to it. And then when I could debunk it with context and truth, uh, people get in their feelings about it. So I, I kind of get a chuckle out of that, to be honest with you. And this whole week, I see people like, oh, it doesn't make sense. Why, why, did, why did they turn on Edge so quickly? Aren't you guys the same people that said, oh, this whole dynamic with Edge and Priest and Davey, uh, Priest are not working? Oh, I hate the purple lighting. I can hear Brian Alvarez's whiny voice in my ear. Um, my God, that guy's the worst. Anyways, I, I I have to point out when hypocrisies happen because it's like the whole you got to have your cake and eat it too philosophy that a lot of wrestling fans have adopted in these past couple of years has been very embarrassing to be honest with you, and it's kind of hard to follow along with what people want and what they're really saying. It's like, I can't really gauge on Twitter uh, what's genuine of a concern for an angle or a show, because people are just tweeting things left and right, like MGS saying, saying uh, acting like it means anything, but honestly, it doesn't. Because <laughs> you can't gauge what anybody genuinely feels about a product or a show. Twitter is all about clout chasing and hot takes, and, and hot takes that have no context or substance to it. To it, so you, the same people, 
whining and complaining about purple lights and the judgment day and oh Edge is doing GP now are upset because you had something that came out of the blue. Also you're the same audience that says nothing on Raw ever happens out of the blue or it, it, there's it, Raw is always predictable, right? So when something like this goes down on Monday, you also want to throw a fit about it. That's that whole, I got to have my cake and eat it too mentality this wrestling audience has. And I just don't think it's cool. Honestly, I thought the visuals look good with Finn Balor, Priest, and um, Rhea Ripley. And I'm very curious to see where it goes. I, I, I loved it, Chris. I thought it was really cool. How about this? Thoughts on Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair for the Money in the Bank? Um... I'm I'm in I'm into it. I'm kind of curious to see how long this actual title reign is for Bianca because for those who said she had a short title reign the first run for because um, you know, she lost it sometimes I don't necessarily see that as the case. Well, here's the thing with uh, Bianca Belair. Like I think right now Bianca Belair is the number one female wrestler in the world. At the same time, though. Is she a character that you feel like needs a extra long title reign? Like for me, I'd rather have Bianca be a heel and have an extensive, extensive uh, title run as opposed to as a baby face holding it for a long time and then having the crowd turn on them. Because we are, just like Jeff said, this crowd is so fickle, they change their opinions on the drop of the dime. And I, I wouldn't want that to happen to Bianca Belair because she's honestly... One of the best performers and genuine people in the industry right now. And yeah, could I say she should deserve a long title reign? Sure. But at the same time, nobody is immune for fickle wrestling fans. And I can just see right now Bianca Belair holding the title all the way to like the Royal Rumble or something. And people start cheering for Liv Morgan, whoever gets drafted there after the draft this year. And like, oh, I'm so tired of Bianca. Bianca always wins. Bianca always wins. I I, I can tell you right now because I see the trends. It's like a never-ending cycle with this echo chamber of wrestling Twitter. It's it's so embarrassing. But I'm, the match with Rhea and Bianca will be fantastic. I think you can get a couple matches out of them. Um, a couple pay-per-view matches out of them. So I'm all for it. And it, I'm very curious to see how it goes. It should be a very interesting match. Do you think we see Cody Rhodes return before Royal Rumble or at the Royal Rumble? Well, I am not a doctor. I don't know how long <laughs> Torn Peck Torn Peck muscles are when it comes to recovery time. Um, I like to see him return at the Royal Rumble. I guess you could get more bang for your buck if he shows up and does like a promo like uh, Triple H did in 2002 and you get more hype for that pay-per-view. But for me... Uh, to even see a bigger moment for Cody and the re- reaction in his eyes, like the moment when he does show up is special. Leave it for the match. So I say have him return at the Royal Rumble. Right as Seth Ross is cleaning house in the Royal Rumble match, out comes Cody, everybody loses their shit, and then boom, there you go. Uh, who would you have win the Money in the Bank briefcases? Great question. Great question, Chris. Um, 
I don't know why in the back of my head I have a feeling that Sami Zayn's gonna win the Money in the Bank this year. I I can just see him carrying that briefcase, still trying to pretend to be uh alive the the bloodline and just having him carry the briefcase. I don't want it, <laughs> but I can see it happening. But um, if it was me, I would have. Ah, uh, man, that's a great question. I. I I'll go with uh, Kevin Owens uh, to win it for the dudes and then for the ladies. Mm. The ladies is a toss of there. I mean, any, any of them can get it. Uh, let's go with Liv Morgan. Let's go with the popular people, all right? Let's go with Liv Morgan. Give her her flowers. Hell, give it to Lacey Evans. I don't care. <laughs> I think Lacey Evans will look good with a minor briefcase. Well... I should uh, retract that. Lacey Evans looks good with anything. Um, <laughs> so I'll go Kevin Owens and Liv Morgan. Uh, but I thank you for the question this week, bro. You did a great job as always. That's the questions from Chris. Here you go. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, man. Let's see who we got next. Oh, yes. We got questions this week from Mike at Made Event Swerve on Twitter. Here's his questions this week. What do you think of Apollo Crews on NXT 2.0 this week? Do you see him winning the title for Braun? And if not, what would you like to see from him in NXT? Well, uh... Kind of similar to Dolph Ziggler, uh, we have Paul Cruz now popping up in uh, NXT. Uh, more than likely or not, I'm probably going to see Braun Breaker and Paul Cruz at a Great American Bash, which I have no problem with. Uh, should be an interesting program. Looks like Paul's going to be a babyface for right now, which is not a bad thing. But uh, Paul's a good wrestler, and I do believe that uh, certain performers deserve to be in certain environments. And... If anybody deserves to be like in an AEW crowd or Impact or something smaller, intimate like that, like NXT, uh, Paul Cruz probably fits that bill. And um, the crowd was eating it up. Uh, I was kind of surprised at the amount of reaction that he got when he came out, but um, he's a good performer. And I, for him, um, you know, it's good to have certain veterans that have experience in NXT to be down there. So if he could be a guy that, you know, has programs like with um, Cameron Grimes or Carmelo Hayes and um, et cetera, et cetera, like uh, Santos Escobar or Tony D'Angelo, I think that'd be good for him. I don't see him beating Braun Breaker for the title. I, I feel like there's this notion out there that Braun Breaker is just automatically going to go to the main roster and fight for the championship next year. I just don't see that happening. Um, I think he will have a fast track when he does get his start on Raw or SmackDown, but I just don't see it happening anytime soon. Um, but I feel like for Apollo Crews, I think he can do a lot of good things in NXT, and uh, I think it's a nice addition for that brand. So um, I thought that was pretty cool to see that on Tuesday. Good question. All right, next one. <laughs> this one should be interesting. You mentioned these trances you do that go unpaid, uh, at least from the promotions. I'm doing some freelance projects, and sometimes it's hard to get it. Uh, and sometimes it's hard to wait to get paid twenty, forty here and there. 
Well, yeah, it's, uh, here's the question here. How do you stay motivated, like, daily, especially when you know you're not getting paid for some work? Um, it, it's a del- delicate balance. Um, and there's also times that uh, we here at the Hoots Podcast were able to make money off of our show on Anchor. But Anchor, uh, which is run by Spotify, have stopped um distributing ads and stuff like that and sponsorships uh to like you guys remember that when i first started putting the show on anchor you hear me do those like early commercial scripts and reads for like different podcasts i did once about charity and stuff like that i did those and we got paid for those in the early stage of having this podcast on anchor but a lot of that has changed now uh, due to the pandemic and them switching their model when it comes to ads and stuff. Now you have to be on a waiting list and stuff like that for automated automated ads. And um, I think the whole process has been fugazi, at least from our end. Um, like, it was a balance for me because, you know, I would have what I'd be making for the transfers plus the money uh, for the podcast. And I, I thought I was starting to get on the right path and I thought I was doing things right. And then... Uh, the pandemic stopped. We stopped getting money for the podcast, and then uh, I mentioned already about you know this little dry spell that I've had, article wise from New Japan for the last three months. They got that period's over. Now I can get back to my regular routine, uh, which I'm very happy for that. And I've been very—I I, want to say this very first. I've been very fortunate and grateful for the opportunity uh, that the guys at uh, Wrestling Headlines, formerly known as Lawrence and Payne have given me to uh, share my transcripts on their site. Uh, I don't work for them. Uh, I have a working relationship with them where I share select transcripts uh, for shows that they don't have people covered it on their site. So I want to make that perfectly clear. I'm not I'm not employed by a dirt sheet site. I get compensated in a working relationship with them. And, you know, I, you know, I get paid for a lot of the ancillary shows like NWA, MLW, um, NXT UK, NWA USA, um, all, AEW Dark, AEW uh, Dark Elevation, all, a lot of those small ancillary shows, but I'm getting like 20 or 25 bucks per episode, you know? It's a little different from, let's say, compared to New Japan, which I get 75 bucks for each New Japan show that I do, and then maybe like 60 for Impact, and then 160 for a pay-per-view. But also, you got to think about the other pri- uh, the other expenses that I have to do for that. One, I have to pay for my cable and internet to w- watch those shows and the internet, and also I have to occasionally pay for the pay-per-views to cover said events, like this week, I have to, I have to, uh, buy, uh, Always Ready, which is gonna be 25 bucks, when the pay-per-view should be at least 10 bucks, and then the week after that, I gotta probably shell out 40 bucks for Slammiversary, you know, it's, it's not just what I'm being compensated for, for the ancillary shows, it's like, I get paid one fifty for the pay view, but I'm also spending forty bucks on that pay view just to cover it. So it's uh, it can get very frustrating. But how I stay motivated is the fact that I believe in the craft that what I'm doing. I believe in the work that I'm doing, and I believe in the content that I'm dishing out. Um, I, I feel like I provide the best result pieces in the entire wrestling industry, and you know I'm 
I, I, I'm in that period of paying my dues. You know, I, I'm not entitled to anything. I'm, I'm certainly not a person looking for handouts. Um, you know, when this whole thing happened, when I had to stop getting paid for my New Japan transcripts for three months, um, it, it hasn't been easy for me. Uh, but I've been trying to keep my uh, my mind in the right place and just, you know, I, I one thing about myself that I, I can say that I'm very proud of myself is that I've been smart with my money. Um, and with, you know, getting, having to pay for um, this apartment here and other expenses like taxes and shit like that. Um, I, I, I feel like I don't give myself enough credit for how much I like have saved and been, you know, at the right point when I need to be bank bank account wise like i'm smart with my money and stuff like that but it's just like what once you feel like you're starting to build momentum especially financially um and then stuff like this that comes out of your way that's out of your control it can really fuck with you it can fuck with your head trust me it does um um now for the shows that i don't get paid for like monday night raw smackdown nxt and Dynamite and Rampage, those are the five shows that I don't get paid for. Yeah, um, I'll be honest with you, it sucks. It it sucks. Um, I I wish there was a way I could find a way to have uh, way to have those articles be compensated for, but I don't. Like I have a certain select amount of shows that that website asks me to share on their site, and I do those. But when it comes to Raw and SmackDown and Dynamite and Rampage and NXT, I do that for you guys. <laughs> so it's like, um, you know, I'm running my own website. I've had the site since 2017. I, I just don't have the money to pay the fee on WordPress to have that business plan where you can get money for uh, the articles I don't have the money for that. I can't. I can't pay that fee. Um, so it sucks. Like, would I want to be compensated for every single transcript that I do? You're damn right. And I, I believe I do deserve to be compensated for that. But how do I know? How do I stay motivated? It's just keep pushing through and believing in my content, and being consistent with my work. Um, I don't feel like anybody can touch my work ethic. And I'm consistent with my transcripts and the quality that goes into those articles. And I feel like my day will come where hopefully the, the transcripts get compensated on a higher level. And we'll see where how that goes. But that's how that's as honest as I can get about the whole situation. And look, I'm very grateful for the fact that I could say that I pay my rent and my, uh, my living right now off of transcribing wrestling shows. It's not all that bad, trust me. But, you know, it's like, yeah, you're covering Raw and SmackDown and Dynamite and Rampage every week, and these are longer shows to type out, and you're not getting compensated for that. Yeah, of course, of course it can be uh, frustrating. And then you will give the whole budget cut excuse uh, for not being compensated for New Japan articles where I could have made a lot of money during that time period during the New Japan Cup, especially the Best of Super Juniors. That was... 15 shows in itself of the tournament uh, in May that I could have been made some really good money off of it, and I did it, and it sucks. 
but you know, I'm not gonna quit. I'm not gonna stop doing what I'm doing. I love what I do. I love the job that I have, and um, it's just you know, you gotta take a good and a bad man. There's gonna be times, no matter what field you're in, that you're gonna have things be thrown at you, and either you're gonna adapt to it or you're not. And I always gonna adapt to things that are out of my control and. I feel like I'm making the best of my situation and just dealing with this, the cards that I'm dealt. So that, that's what it is. Um, next question for uh, Mike. He says, who do you want to see Max Dupree's, uh, who do you want to see in Max Dupree's maximum male model group? Um, that's a great question. Um <laughs> It's, it's interesting because I feel like it's going to be a lot of people that we probably haven't seen in a while or people from NXT, so I can't really tell you pinpoint off the top of my head. Um, it, it, he did say maximum male model, so I'm glad that's specific. Um, I don't know how most Lotharios are not the first two people in that group, you know? <laughs> I know there's the whole thing about uh, Mace turning into a male model I guess uh, I, I am for me Mike I want to see how this whole thing plays out first before you know giving a grand conclusion into it like I, I kind of curious to see for myself who's in that instead of like guessing at it so that's how I can answer that question but thank you Mike for the question this week man you killed it I really really do appreciate it um, alright the last three questions for the show this week comes from our good brother um, Nate the Great at Psycho Nagiri, he says, how hyped are you for Apollo's return to NXT? Oh, really quick, let me go back to, uh, to the transcript, uh, question, because, uh, I just found this to be very funny, like, I find it very interesting that the, a lot of the main popular dirty guys that get, like, the big money and stuff like that, Go in their soapboxes about wrestlers dealing with budget cuts, but those are the same people who will enforce budget cuts on their own staff writers. Hey, I just want to throw that out there. Stuff you may not know about the wrestling media in their politics, but let's move on to the next part. All right, how hyped are you for Apollo's return to NXT? Uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm just curious to see how it works out for him. Uh, I thought the the being with Dolph Ziggler, I thought it was good for him, and I thought he did some good stuff down there. And I wouldn't expect anything less from a Paul Cruz. Uh, if anything, you know, you get sometimes you can have women go down there, like Natalia, who did a good job down there. You know, you could put you could transition these performers who are not doing anything on Raw SmackDown and have them do some fun stuff on NXT. I, I don't think that's a bad idea. So uh, I'm I am pretty excited for this day, and I hope it works out for him. All right, next question: Do you think Walter, my bad, Gunther, yes, Gunther the Ring General, do you think Gunther should beat Ricochet on Friday? Uh, yes. Um, I would like to hope that it's not just a general squash match, but I want. This would be emphatic and impactful for Gunther. So even if it is a short match, I do think Gunther is the right guy to hold that Intercontinental Championship. And think about it, to have Fuse down the road with, uh, uh, with Sheamus and, you, you, you know, 
maybe you can revise something with Butch and Gunther, and you can do uh, Gunther and Drew McIntyre. Like, there's a lot of options there. Uh, so I would like to see um, Gunther become the IC champion for I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> it's a good question here. Although you don't like Bullet Club, what would you change about them besides erasing them? Well, <laughs> that's the thing, because I like select people from Bullet Club. I just don't think you need four different subgroups, and then whenever Kenny Olivier shows up, you got to do this revolving door and flip-flopping of members again, because you know that's going to happen. We're going to have... Undisputed Elite against uh, Bullet Club. The Bucks will go back with uh, Olivier, and that's going to be convoluted. And I'm I'm hoping that doesn't happen anytime soon because there's a lot of mud show stuff on uh, AEW recently, and <laughs> less is more in my opinion when it comes to that. Like honestly, I would scrap the entire House of Torture because it, it's a completely useless group. Um, I did compare it to the core. Take that, uh, referee Tony. <laughs> it, it's just a bad, bad group. Um, you know, when you have the OG guys like Battle of and then you got Chase Owens and etc. That that's fine and stuff like that. But for me, honestly, guys, keep Bullet Club strictly for New Japan. That's where it needs to be, and that's why I chuckled this whole concept of the Forbidden Door because honestly. With AW, it's been a loose door since day one. You've had constant interaction with performers from other promotions since day one. So what? What about your door is forbidden? If anything, that door is super loose. <laughs> um, by the way, get your head out of the gutter while I say that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm not gonna scrap the entire idea. I will scrap the House of Torture because it sucks, but. You know, keep the Bullet Club in New Japan where it belongs. I like Jay White. I'm a big fan of Jay White. But again, we don't need four or five subgroups of Bullet Club. It, I don't think it's as popular as a lot of people think it still is. I, I just don't. All right. Last question for the week here. <laughs> How have you been lately? Is depression all around or is it at bay? Um, I'm glad you asked that, Nate. Thank you for the question. Um, I'm doing I'm doing very good. You know, I, I just went over my whole situation with the transcripts, but there's a lot of things coming up. Uh, I should have a very busy month in July, so I'm really looking forward to that. And everything is going fine in a positive direction with, with, with that is concerned. Um, uh, for me personally, um... I'm doing good. I'm, I'm very happy. Um, things have been very nice and peaceful at the apartment, so I really can't complain about that, you know? <laughs> um, you know, things are going well for my end, uh, spiritually and mentally, um, healed with all the stuff that I was dealing with over the last couple of years, so that's good as well. My heart's in the right place. I'm feeling good, drinking good, um, you know, eating well and stuff like that, and just really just enjoying life, you know? Um, depression... I don't think depression uh, is at bay. I mean, it's going to hover you. It's going to hit you when you least expect it. It, it never goes away. Um, I have my down days. I have my days where I feel lonely. But it's not really something that's frequent or something I feel like it's something I should be concerned about, to be honest with you. But, like, my 
my schedule keeps me very busy. So I, I don't get too much of the time where I feel like I'm in my head and thinking about the wrong things and stuff like that. But I wouldn't say it's at the bay. It, it just hits you year round. It is all around. Yeah. <laughs> it's all around. But like I mentioned earlier with my situation, transfers is just, even if there's something that's going on in your life that you're, that's bringing you down, how are you going to adapt to it? You know, that that's, it's really something that you can't really put away. But it's just something you got to deal with. And, it, and you can't, one thing I'll tell people with life, man, you can't not let things fester and linger on. If there's an issue that you have with somebody, get it out. Just say it. Don't, don't let things fester and then you get to the point where you're not speaking to people who you actually cared about or consider brothers or friends like that. Like, I hate, I hate when I see stuff on social media where I'm like, oh, I'm not, uh, this has been a rough week because I've lost communication with a friend. I hate to see that type of stuff because really one of our biggest issues in our society today is the fact that we don't know how to communicate with each other. Like, it's just unfortunate, man. There's a lack of self-awareness. There's a lack of self-empathy. And there's just a lack of, you know, communication. If you have a problem with somebody or something you want to get addressed, talk it out. Find some middle ground. Stop being a fucking wimp and a pussy. Just say what's on your mind. And, you know, if it's something that's that important to you and it's something that you don't want to deal with, okay, that then that, at that point, it's all right. Like, you don't have to interact with that person anymore. But I hate that whole letting things linger to the last minute. And, you know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. I hate, hate seeing stuff like that. Like, if you have an issue with somebody address it and if it's something that's so bad and you can't rectify it then okay then don't put your energy into that anymore because you don't have to deal with that person anymore or that situation anymore it's like i feel like a lot of us are so stuck in our robotic ways of looking at things at life and how things are supposed to be handled and blah 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 and it's like um have some self-awareness Stop letting family members dictate how you view your life and how you go about things or whatever. It's, uh, like I say in the show every single week, be the authentic product that is yourself and start making decisions on your own. Nobody is supposed to dictate your life besides you and the man upstairs. It's not your parents. It's not your grandparents. It's not your cousins. It's not anybody. It's you and the man upstairs. All right. So I'm in a good place, man. Um, I'm busy. I'll say that I'm busy, but uh, I'm very happy. Uh, so I'm, I'm very grateful you asked me for that question, Nate. And I'm, I'm grateful for you guys for uh, saying some awesome questions this week. I really, really do appreciate it. So with there, like I promised, we're going to go over to Carver really quick for NWA Always Ready. And then we'll get to uh, New Japan Dominion. All right. So here's what we got so far for this event coming up on Saturday. Take a quick swig of water here. <laughs> we got Samuel Shaw, formerly known as Dexter Loomis, taking on Brian Myers. We got Ty Valkyrie against Natalia Markova with Terry Terrell at ringside. Uh, we have the fixers of Jay Bradley and Rocky Ball Lagurski taking on the Mortons and AJ Kazana and a partner to be determined. We have Aaron Stevens taking on Trevor Murdoch. This is Aaron Stevens' retirement match. 
I want to uh, give a big shout out to Aaron Stevens, who's um, retiring after this weekend. So thanks for uh, a, a lot of plenty of years of entertainment, my man. Um, we'll never forget the part when when NWA got started up again. They had that spot where he gets uh, attacked with the Mongrovian uh, th- uh, thrust or something like that. Yeah, the Mongrovian spike. And this dude is selling. He's ricocheting back and forth off the ropes, and it's hilarious. And he falls down the canvas. It's it's out there on YouTube if you haven't seen it yet, but it's freaking hilarious. But there is a lot of title matches on this card. Um, for example, we got Tyrus against Matthew Mims for the NWA World Television Championship. Jack the Dane event. Jack Dane uh, playing against national uh, national title on the line against Chris Adonis. Uh, we got Laut Rebellion putting the World Tag Team titles on the line against the Commonwealth Connection of Doug Williams and Harry Smith. This is a rematch from the Crockett Cup, which was fantastic uh, a couple of months ago. This should be pretty good. Uh, we have the NWA World Women's Tag Team title match with the Hacks taking on Pretty Empowered. You know, I've, kind of, I've started to lose count on how many times Kenzie Page has been a face and a heel on NWA. I'm, I'm starting to lose count. <laughs> um, the NWA World's Women's Championship match is Camille against Kylie King. Uh, that should be very interesting. Kylie King, uh, uh, one of the more rising performers in performance I enjoyed uh, from AW Dark. Is now getting her shot at the uh, at the Burke uh, on Saturday, so that should be pretty good. By the way, Bully Ray will be doing commentary for this match um, because he trained both Kylan King and Camille, so I think that's pretty cool. Uh, Homicide will put his NWA World Junior Heavyweight Title on the line against PJ Hawks of Hawks Airy. That should be a good match, and then of course the main event. Matt Cardona, the current NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, taking on Nick Aldis. Um, right now, Nick, uh, my bad, excuse me, Matt Cardona recently just had surgery for a torn uh, bicep. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. There has been no announcements about any replacements or we're going to have a vacant championship match. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um Looks like Billy Corgan's been becoming a little bit of a fanboy storyline-wise towards Matt Cardona. Uh, kind of doubling down his decision for making him the face of the NWA. I mean, hell, this pay-per-view is named after him. But uh, I'm curious to see how this uh, plays out because um, you got the national treasure and the real world's champion in there in Nick Aldis. And I, I would hope that... Um, he gets a chance to get his title back. Uh, so hopefully that that works out for him. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on NWA Always Ready. That's coming up um, this Saturday on Fight TV if you want to watch it. And then we got New Japan's Dominion. So, <laughs> Okay, two previews for two pay-per-views coming up on uh, this weekend. And you'll see you'll get to see those transcripts on uh, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Alright. Uh first match here we got is Risuke Taguchi, Master Wato, and Hiroshi Tenza taking on the United Empires, Aaron Hernare, TJ Perkins, and Francesco Akira. 
uh, little preview of their upcoming tag team title match at Corkin Hall on, on the New Japan Road uh, Series. That should be pretty good. Uh, we got Tetsuya Naito, Bushi, and Hiromu Takahashi taking on. Check out this team here: El Fantasmo, Taji Ishimori, and Ace Austin. That should be a fantastic match. Um, Doc Gallows will be taking on Toriano. No care. Uh, we have a six-man tag for the never openweight six-man tag team titles. It's the House of Torture taking on the Suzuki Gun contingent of Zack Sabre Jr., El Desperado, and Yoshinobu Camaro. Uh, when you get to the point for me cheering for Canamero, uh, you, you can see why I'm not a fan of House of Torture. Anyways, next uh, we have a match for the IWGP Heavyweight Tatsy Tiles as Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens with their titles on the line against the Great Okan and Jeff Cobb. Uh, that should be pretty good. Um, curious to see who wins this match. I, I think it looks like it could be Great Okan and Jeff Cobb due to the stuff that's been going on with them at FTR on Dynamite. Speaking of AW, we have Hiroshi Tanahashi against Hiroki Goto. Uh, the winner of this match will fight John Moxley at Forbidden Door for the interim AEW World Championship. Tanahashi and Hiroki Goto rarely disappoint. I'm glad this match was added to the card. Uh, there's a lot of good singles matches on this program uh, on Dominion. And this is uh, New Japan's second biggest show of the year. So why the hell not? Um, I think this should be very interesting. And honestly, don't be surprised if John Moxley shows up at uh, at Dominion. So throw that out there as well. Um, next, we have a interesting match here. Shigo Takagi against Taichi for the KOPW 22 Provisional Championship. Uh, if you haven't seen the 30 count match, I totally recommend you guys go check it out because it was really, really good. Shigo and Taichi should be a lot of fun. Then we got Tamatanga putting his number openweight title on the line against Carl Anderson of the Bullet Club. A lot of history there, a lot of beef, so this should be a good grudge match. We have a three-way match for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. It's Juice Robinson taking on Sonata and Will Ospreay. So we'll have to see if rock-hard Juice Robinson can find a way to retain his title here. But I am rooting for Sonata all the way here for this match. And the conspiracy theories continue for Will Ospreay. Finally, the main event of this card, a 10-match card, by the way, is Okada against JY for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, who will be heading to Chicago with said title. It'll look bad for Jay White. You know, he came out and interrupted uh, Stat Boy Tony and the uh, president of New Japan in that initial promo about Forbidden Door. For it to come back to that pay-per-view with, with nothing would be a bad look on him. But I think that's going to be the case because I think Okada will retain. He is the best wrestler in the world. And Okada will retain over Jay White. So, yes. New Japan's Dominion taking place this Sunday on New Japan World. I'll have that coverage for you as well. I don't know if I'm going to cover the show live because here's the thing. I would... But I, I I recommend that New Japan World uses the same uh, system as Fight TV does because 
when you try to like pause and rewind on New Japan World, it skips over things and then fast forwards to other parts of the match you're not ready to cover yet. So um, that's it. Probably one of the main reasons why I don't cover the main shows live and do them like in early in the morning. Um, so. Yeah, I just like to throw that out there as well. So, but um, I want to do a nice little added feature for you guys this week by not only doing the Q and A, but also uh, give you guys a couple of previews for what's to uh, take place coming up this weekend. So, uh, two pay two pay views this weekend. Then we got Slam Anniversary next week, uh, the nineteenth. Uh, yeah, so that's gonna be on a Sunday as well, and then of course. We got Forbidden Door on the 26th, which I'll be there for that show. Yes. <laughs> so, that's my thoughts there. That's this week's edition of the Good Brush Q&A. Check out the work at ProWrestlingTranscripts.com. And when we come back, talk a little bit about what happened this week in WWE. Right here in the Hoots Podcast. I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight. Alright, welcome back everybody to this week's edition of This Week in WWE. By the way, I have yet to get a chance to check out the um, Jeff Jarrett edition of the Broken Skull Sessions. I will recommend you guys go check it out. I heard it's pretty good. Um, I hope I get a chance to check it out sometimes this weekend. It's just been a very busy week on my end, so um, I haven't had a chance to t- uh, watch it, but I would have had a chance to talk to you guys if I had seen it, so... We'll try to get that done, and I'll give you some thoughts about it next week. Anyways, uh, we got a lot to get to. I think this could be more of an abbreviated version of this week in WWE. Uh, I do want to get to Hell in the Cell, because that's what you guys want to hear and stuff like that. So we'll start with that. By the way, I I didn't put it out on social media, because it wasn't really something about like a humble brag or anything like that. But um, my uncle Jeremy, who brought me to the show... Uh, Jeremy's my like wrestling partner and friend that I go to a lot of these shows with. Uh, he bought the on location package, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, this is the first time they're doing it. I know it was uh, widely reported, and I know my guy uh, Andrew Maydala and Blake Mitchmore. A lot of those guys were talking about it on their Twitter show that they do. Um, you know. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, I got this credential badge that they give out. You know, you know how it is when you go to events and you get credentials and you have like a uh, a thing that wraps around your neck and then you got a credential uh, attached to it with, with a clip and stuff like that. So I got one of those. I got those and then Cody Rhodes had the logo. Maybe I'll share it out on Twitter. But um, yeah, <laughs> I had I got one of those uh, credential landlord things. Um, from the package for Hell to Cell, it's pretty decent seats. Um, had a good time at Hell to Cell this past um uh, Sunday at the Rosemont Horizon. It was pretty cool. Was, the whole deal with this that you get uh early access to the arena before the show starts, so that was pretty cool and unique entrance to get into it instead of the traditional one. Um, and you know, for me, it's just... I was telling Jeremy about this when we were on our way to the pay-per-view. Like, for me, when I go to wrestling events at the Allstate Arena, uh, it's like going to church for me. Allstate Arena is my church. That's my home for me, for wrestling. 
it's my favorite building to watch wrestling in. It, it it's just a special atmosphere every time I go to a WWE show at the Allstate Arena. And this past Sunday was no different. Um, by the way, like I said during WrestleMania Backlash last month, don't you just notice these trends on every Saturday or Sunday beforehand for these like shows take place? Like all through Twitter, you see nothing but. Oh, I forgot this pay-per-view was on today. Oh, oh, this pay-per-view is going to be the shits. Oh, is Hell to Sell worth watching? All these tweets, like, you would think that there's some genuine uh, genuinism behind these tweets and that these people are actually indifferent to the thing. But I see right through it. The whole tone is, oh, let me just say this pay-per-view is going to suck or, oh, it's not worth watching so I can get some likes and retweets. That's what I see in those tweets. Because there's a bevy of them. And then here we are. Here's a show like Hell in the Cell. It, 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 it tells those people to hold my beer. This show was awesome. I had a blast. I had a blast at Hell in the Cell. It was a great time. Um, the Bianca Belair, Asuka, Becky Lynch match is one of the best women's matches that not only did I get a chance to type out, but uh, matches that I got to see in person this year. So that was dope. To kick off the show, Bianca retains. I got to tell you, man, Bianca right now for me is the number one female wrestler in the world right now. She's just phenomenal. Looks amazing. Um, that's an understatement. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. What was really cool was uh, Bobby Lashley. Now, before the pay-per-view, Lashley was on the... Uh, was out in the parking lot area in the backstage where kind of like the loading area where you bring your stuff into the arena, that part of the Allstate Arena. By the way, maybe I'm biased and it's from because uh, I'm from Chicago, but it's like the when you drive up to the Allstate Arena and you see all the WWE production trucks there and you see just how the Allstate Arena is uh, constructed. It's just the coolest looking fucking venue for a wrestling show. I'm sorry. It, it just is. <laughs> I I love the Allstate Arena. But anyways, like Bobby Lashley was out in that loading area and was uh, taking pictures with a lot of fans and stuff like that. My Uncle Jeremy got a picture with him too, so that, that was pretty cool. Lashley got a big reaction from the crowd. He defeated MVP and Omas. Um, let's try something really quick. I wasn't sure if I was going to do this, but after listening to this and giving this a couple of, of tries, I figured it'd be cool to play MVP's diss track for you guys this week. MVP, Omas, an absolutely shocking moment tonight. Can you explain your actions? Uh, explain my actions. The almighty Bobby Lashley, this force of nature. Somewhere along the line, he forgot about the conversation we had in that warehouse all those years ago. See, all I did was help the Almighty remember what he was capable of doing. But somewhere along the way, he forgot about who helped him get back on that path. When I'm up for Hall of Fame, I'll go in two times for what I've done in my career, making you champ twice. Needing me to rescue you from your blonde ex-wife. You're welcome. That added 10 years to your shelf life. Made a name with the hurt business and you distanced yourself. Remember Sheldon, remember Prime Bob, you did have help. Almighty, this is the last hand that you'll get dealt. Let's go down memory lane, Bobby, fasten your seatbelt. Easy dub champ, yeah, that was a joke. As far as classic brands go, that was like new coke. A 273-pound pushover, six foot. 
three, perfect poster boy, post silver medal in 02. Sums up your career, Bob. You would have won gold if MVP was there. Never saw Lashley's ladies until the VIP lounge. That's a perk of having the most valuable player around. And I know you're looking at me thinking life ain't fair. Mad at me because I still have all of my hair. I'll support you on this track and leave you covered in blisters. Word to Sammy Zane and your three ugly sisters. I'm the one with the vision, so you know I stay scheming. Even though your name is Bobby, I got brains like him. My hands are a weapon. I'm 305 repping. Think VIP lounge, I'll break you down in sections. All it takes from Vince is just one phone call. The bigger the ego, the harder the mighty fall. And now here we are 13 years later. I'm back. And where are you? In the same damn location, trapped inside that mental of yours. When is Lashley gonna let Lashley out? That's a rhetorical question. Don't answer that. Don't answer that. It's pretty dope. Every MVP, you got you got a real one right there. That was pretty good. Um, they played this, and <laughs> my uncle was just burying it. <laughs> we have a running joke between me and him where we think the Sasha Banks Snoop Dogg it remix is probably the worst entrance theme of all time. And um, <laughs> I'll tell you what. Wherever you feel about that diss track, it did set the tone for that match. And I thought it was a nice feature. And I haven't seen MVP in a match since I was like, I don't know, 13 or 14 years old. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Yeah, big night for Bobby Lashley. He had a big time reaction to the crowd. But I, I wanted to play that for you because I thought that was pretty good, actually. Um... Other stuff on the show. Let's talk about it. Um, Kevin Owens defeats Ezekiel. I thought that was fine. Going back to what happened on Raw this week, uh, Ezekiel lured uh, Kevin Owens into giving them a rematch by basically lying and, uh, like he said, taking a page out of Kevin Owens' playbook and being a liar. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> and then we had, um, how about this? Judgment Day, AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Liv Morgan. I thought this match was awesome. This was one of my favorite matches from the show this past Sunday. Uh, I just love the physicality. I love the action. Uh, Jessica Carr is one of the best referees in the business today, and I'm very happy for her and her success. She looks amazing, and she does an amazing job. Uh, It's it's fascinating to watch how six-man tags are officiated in WWE as compared to AEW. It, it, It really is. Uh, it's amazing you have a trios match where you're not making the referees look stupid, right? <laughs> uh, th- this was awesome. The right team won. Uh, and, you know, Edge beating Finn Balor even gives more credence to what happened uh, the next night. And I talked about that earlier, so we don't need to rehash that. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Matt, Cat, Moss, and Bear Corbin, I thought was fine. Uh, shout out to Corbin for playing against the crowd who was chanting for tables the entire match. Uh, I thought this was cool. Uh, good moment for Moss. Uh, he started to get some momentum and maximizing his TV time, which is always good to see. Uh, I know there's a lot of potential in a guy like Matt, Cat, Moss, and he has some decent charisma, and I think he's pretty solid for what he does in the ring. I think it's very important that you got to make the audience care about what you're doing as opposed to doing 
a gazillion different things in the ring. And I think John Cena said it perfectly uh, in the video that was posted today as he was recapping his uh, debut match against Kurt Angle. Listen to this. Many folks care. Uh, well, watching it now, like, and, and here's where psychology is kind of messed up. Like, um, you know, I came out yelling at the guy and slapped him in the face. And then after a good showing, now I want to be virtuous and extend a hand to shake his hand. And the people aren't interested in it. Now, why do you think that is? You think I'm sending a little bit of a conflicting message? I, I think as who I was then, I was just happy to be in, happy to be aboard. But I just think we did it wrong, you know? Or I, uh, not that we did it wrong, because it happened. It was a moment that happened. I think we could have done a whole lot better. We were looking for new stars, you know? I just did what I was told instead of being ruthlessly aggressive. And had I done what I was supposed to do, and here I am in the in the back shaking hands with everybody and all that, and that this is awesome, this is an awesome moment. Um, and certainly, it was it was pretty genuine. Everybody's like, hey, man, you did, you did really good. Let's put it on tape. Um, but here I am intimidated by The Undertaker. If I am aggressive and ruthless, I wouldn't really be intimidated by anybody, right? Uh, and I might not ask to shake Kurt's hand or any of that. Um, you know, here I am marveling at my own hand because uh, the Undertaker shook my hand. If I really embodied ruthless aggression, I'd have kicked him in the nuts. You know, or bowed up to him and, and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to take that championship in a week or so. It's, it's such a... Man, it, uh, it's not a shame because it was a good learning experience, but it's... And, and it, you know, the story turned out okay. But... Uh, Especially now after I see the match, I see the audience with where they lose interest. You have to slow down. You have to tell a story. And just doing what I was told in performances like that almost got me fired. And I can see why. Because you look at the audience, nobody cares. So, uh, I don't know. I, I guess looking back at it, I'm grateful for the moment. I'm grateful I debuted in such a historic arena with such an amazing performer. But... Uh, I'm also grateful it didn't go well because it taught me to, especially when the doc, Dr. Thugonomics character was introduced, I was neither ruthless nor aggressive. I was quite submissive and passive and acted like a fan. And, uh, and I was. And it's, that's okay, but you can't do that there. You have to stand out. You have to have a personality where somebody can attach to. And everybody would have done the exact same thing in my interaction with The Undertaker, whether they were a paying customer or backstage, everybody would have done the same thing. So what does that make me different than anybody else? Like, um, that stuff was nice, but it didn't, it didn't help at all. As a matter of fact, all that stuff hurt more, you know, because then I get the endorsement of The Undertaker and have a bunch of fast matches that, that mean nothing and almost get fired. So what is it? I wasted his time, too. It just, hmm, looking back 20 years, it seems like I wasted a lot of time How about that? How about that revelation there from John Cena? Very interesting. Which leads you to the next match I'm going to talk about. Austin Theory against Mustafa Ali. Nice, solid match. And goes back to what John Cena just said right there. You got to make yourself stand out. It's not about having, you know, spot fests and tumbling routines. And how many times can we super kick each other in a match? 
how how many times we can no sell the move. When you don't give the audience the time to process what you're doing or give them a reason to care, you're you're already having a losing battle. And you look at, at like Austin Theory, yeah, he may not be your cup of tea for today's wrestling, but his stuff works. What he does in the ring works. Because everything he does in the ring counts and gets a, a reaction out of you. And I I thought that was very interesting. That's why I wanted to play that clip before the segment because that's the whole feel in the building with the Austin Theory. Why do you think the Pat McAfee match at WrestleMania got as much buzz and reaction to it? Outside of everything that happened after the match with Stone Cold Steve Austin, why do you think that is? Pat does deserve a lot of credit. I'm a Pat McAfee Mark. I'm a big fan of his work. But doesn't Austin Theory deserve some credit to that? Just throwing that out there. You got to do your stuff that makes you stand out from the audience. And not doing a gazillion stuff in the ring that nobody's going to remember by the time the match is over. Or by the time they leave the arena. Just remember that. So, we'll get into the main event here. Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes. Look, guys, I call spade a spade here. Uh, you guys know how I feel about Cody Rhodes and his run in AW. I was not a fan of it. But I've always respected that man and what he's put his body through for all of us over the years. And I really have been enjoying what he's been doing this run with WWE right more right now. Right now, I've always had respect for Cody Rhodes. Uh, I, I think he's a tremendous wrestler. I wasn't crazy about the character stuff that he was doing in AEW, but um, what he pulled off on Sunday is stuff of legendary stuff. It really is. And I'm not going to try to be over the top melodramatic about this, but honestly, it's one of the best performances in wrestling history. And... To have that moment inside Chicago, inside the Rosemont Horizon, I think it's going to be even tenfold for him. It's going to be a bigger deal down the road, too, because that that building does carry weight within WWE. It really does. I know Madison Square Garden is the home of WWE, but if you look at other venues that a lot of performers seem to benefit when they get a lot of reactions from, it's, it's the Rosemont Horizon. It really is. You know, as much as uh, CM Punk is the home of Chicago and stuff like that, John Cena deserves that claim to that title too, just as much as Punk did. Um, you know, you can look at other buildings around the country. You can say it for other performers like Kevin Owens in Houston, <laughs> and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that match with him and Seth Rollins was phenomenal. Uh, I say it every week, and I, it's getting to ad nauseum here, but Seth Rollins is, does not get the respect that he deserves from my colleagues and people who do shows like this. And it's it's really a shame. It's really a shame because you let comments and quotes from an interview clout your judgment on what that guy does in the ring and what he does as a character, too. Remember when I was putting over the Messiah and everybody was bearing it? Don't you see the residual words of it, of what he's doing now? It's all a journey. We're all going through a different journey here. And Seth Rollins is doing some of the best work of his career right now. 
The performance with Cody Rhodes was absolutely phenomenal. Everybody has said it to death, and I don't think there's anything actually that I can add on to it. Uh, it's just a, a legendary performance that's never going to be forget, uh, never going to be forgotten. And Cody Rhodes, when he does come back, it's going to be a very special, special moment. And he really endeared himself to that to the fans in Chicago for the rest of the time. Every time they come here. Going forward in the future, whether it's the United Center or the All-State Arena, Cody Rhodes is going to get the heroes welcome, um, and rightfully so, here in Chicago. And I, I think everything lined up that night for him. You know, he's the poster boy of the pay-per-view. It's his first uh, main event, singles-wise, in his WWE career. It's in Chicago. He wasn't at the first dance. He he didn't he didn't wrestle on the show. I was at that show at the United Center. He wasn't there for AEW, uh, the first dance at the United Center. Yeah, he was there for All In and all, the All Out shows and stuff like that. But when it comes to Chicago moments, no, nobody was going to tell him that he was not going to do it, whether he had a tour pack or not. And you got looking through his eyes, man. This is his moment that he wanted to have in Chicago for a lot of years. And he got it. And uh, it sucks that he's going to be gone for a while. Um, I wish him the best in his speedy recovery. I really do. Um, he's, he's had my respect since day one. I, I I am a fan of Cody Rhodes, and I wish nothing for the best room when he does come back. And... Um, it was definitely a moment. I'm glad that I was there that I got to see that live and it was a really, really, really fun night. So I really enjoyed the Hell in the Sun pay-per-view. It was a lot, a lot of fun. So, uh, let's transition to, uh, Monday Night Raw that just happened this past Monday in a dump known as Green Bay, Wisconsin. My God, who wants to live there? Um, (laughs) um, this was something that I was not expecting to hear on Raw this past Monday, but here we are. Just so you know, just so you know, my husband is average balls. Nice. My husband has above average balls. My husband has a giant, a gigantic balls, massive balls, huge, huge balls, biggest balls in the whole world. Prove it. what it is over the last couple weeks, but Miss CV has been fucking hilarious, man. <laughs> oh my god, man. Uh, that 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 was awesome. By the way, Maurice, this one I think her waterfall reaches levels that can't get higher. She exceeds them every time she comes back. My lord, man. Miss has the best life of anybody in wrestling today. Good on you, brother, man. My lord. I, I, I said it on Monday, and it's true, man. She's the buffet that keeps on giving, man. Well, we saw the show uh, on Monday. I thought it was a very good Raw from uh, Green Bay, despite it being the dump. Uh, we heard the announcement that John Cena will be returning to WWE on June 27th, directly the same exact day he made his WWE debut 20 years ago. 
By the way, I was at that show. I I saw John Cena's debut. Yep, eight years old at a SmackDown. Kurt Angle, a wild night, man. Can't believe that's twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. Damn, I'm getting old. Uh, John Cena will return to Raw on June twenty seventh in Laredo, Texas. That should be pretty pretty cool. The Cody and Seth Simmons star off the show. I thought was pretty dope, uh, especially how Seth attacked Cody and stage on his way out. Um, I thought that was the right call there, so I thought that was very good to start off the show. Um, I'm not even going to get into the whole Dave LaGreca rant about Asuka and the Becky Lynch 24-7 stuff. Because it's not even worth talking about, to be honest with you. Because, like, everything that went into that whole thing with the 27 people running around the ring was window dressing. It wasn't about Becky and Asuka being demoted to the 24-7 title. It's to further their feud. So... Whatever. Um, like I said, I really enjoyed Miss um, Miss TV. Um, I am a fan of actually a Miss Miss and Miss is a very good uh, show. I recommend you guys check it out. I think it's very good. Seeing the good stuff, we had the Usos and Street Profits uh, Championship Contenders match. I thought it was a good match. I don't know why this match needed to end in a countout. I don't know why every week on Raw or SmackDown we need countouts and DQs all the time. I I don't get that. Um, we had a interesting seven with uh, Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory. I don't know if that's a match that's going to be for the U.S. title. We'll have to see how that plays out. Are these two guys going to be in the Money Bank ladder match? Will this be a U.S. title match on the card at Money in the Bank? We'll have to see. I was very intrigued by that. I I, I don't have a really a genuine feeling. Uh, not not genuine. I mean, I don't have a definitive opinion yet on where where that's going. But I am curious. I am curious for sure. Uh, I thought the match with Dominic and Veer Mahan was okay. Wasn't anything much to write home about. I talked about Judgment Day earlier. Um, let's see what else. Ezekiel v. Otis. I thought that was fine. And then, by the way, shout out to the ladies on Raw this week who got to made event the show. You know, it's very interesting. You know, you don't see people walking out this week who are getting the opportunity to fight Bianca Belair at the pay-per-view. Find that very interesting. And the main event that was advertised and went through because people actually want to appreciate the opportunities that are presented in front of them. I find that to be very interesting. So we have Rip Ripley, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, and Piper Dippin in a fatal four-way match. I thought this match was awesome. All these ladies did a great job, and I thought the right person won here. Everything that went in that night with the Judgment Day, it had to be Rhea Ripley. And her and Bianca Belair is going to be some good stuff. And I am very excited for that match. They, I think Rhea and Bianca had a NXT Women's uh, title match at Portland. Am I am I correct about that? Was that a TakeOver Portland show they did? I think it's the last time they had a pay-per-view match with each other, so... Yeah, that, that should be pretty dope. But overall, I thought Raw was really, really good this week to follow up from Hell in the Cell. So good stuff there. And then a couple things I wanted to mention that I forgot to was um, we had another premium live event that took place on Saturday night called In Your House, which I thought was pretty decent as well. If you haven't seen that show yet, I recommend you guys go check out Pretty Deadly Against the Creed Brothers. I thought that was a fantastic match. 
Shout out to my guy Carmelo Hayes for becoming the new NXT North American champion. Um, good match there with him and Cameron Grimes. Uh, Mandy Rose, the beautiful Mandy Rose, and I mean beautiful, re- retained over uh, Wendy Chu. And then Brock Breaker retained his title over Joe Gacy. So uh, pretty solid uh, show from In Your House. If you haven't seen it yet on the Peacock, you can go check it out if you want. And then finally here for this week in WWE is, uh, I'll give you my thoughts really quick here, uh, a little preview for NXT UK coming up today. We have Amel taking on Eliza Alexander with uh, Excited Brookside at ringside. We have Symbiosis taking on Tate Mayfair's and Aldi Blake. Um, also, we have a match, a grudge match that's been in the making for a while. Kenny Williams against Mark Andrews. That should be a fantastic match. Then finally, we got Miko Santamora against Ivy Nile, the beautiful Ivy Nile from Diamond Mine. That's the main event for the NXT Women's Championship. That's going to be awesome. So check out some NXT UK this week, if you will. On that note, that's my thoughts on what happened this week in WWE. All right, folks, right now it's time to get what you guys are waiting for, what you really need. The main event. The main dish, if you will, of the Hoots Podcast. Another restaurant quality edition of What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Let's start this bad boy off in a three, two, one. Beat your meat. Beat, beat your meat. Beat your meat. Beat, beat your meat. Beat. Your meat, beat, beat, your meat, beat, your meat, beat, beat, your meat. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Welcome, everybody, to What the Hell is Wrong with AEW, a.k.a. What Isn't Wrong with AEW this week, brought to you by the good folks at Wrestling Observer Newsletter and Fightful Select. All right. <laughs> so, this past week's Dynamite took place in Independence, Missouri, outside the outskirts of Kansas City. Uh, no, I'm not going to root for the Chiefs. Screw the Chiefs. Um, the show started off with the 2022 edition of the Casino Battle Royal. Let me read down this cavalcade of stars that we have here. Every every week I hear, oh, I can't believe how stacked the AEW roster is. All right, let's go down the list, shall we? Clubs, Darby Allen, Eddie Kingston, Lance Archer, Daniel Garcia, and Tony Meese. Diamonds. Ricky Starks, Jake Hager, Phoenix, Shane Strickland, and Keith Lee. Hearts, John Silver, Kenose Takesha, Max Caster, and the Gun Club. Spades, Powerhouse Hobbs, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Dante Martin, Wheeler, Utah, and then the Joker, Andrade El Idolo. Well, <laughs> what do we have here, folks? But the AEW Rampage Battle Royal. My lord. Yeah, you may have a stacked mid-card, but who the fuck thought... Who, 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 who really thought anybody in this match 
was going to beat John Moxley that night. This whole rhetoric, this whole weekend of Tony Khan really just making an ass out of himself. I, I said it last week, but it's even more true this week. His rationale, his hypothesis as to why John Moxley deserves to be the number one contender is so stupid. And everything going into this pay-per-view coming up at the Forbidden Door is doubly stupid as well. By the way, if the whole setup was to have a title match with John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi as your second option for the fact that CM Punk is not going to be on the show now, why didn't you just have Moxley and Tanahashi for the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship, which I thought was going to happen in the first place? But no, instead of having the continuous story that's going on, by the way, this is your Booker of the Year, guys. This is the guy you guys vote for Booker of the Year every year, right? So this guy decides, oh, let's think up with Gato. Let's have Juice Robinson, rock hard Juice Robinson win the title at Capital Collision. Instead of having Tanahashi retain, you still could have this match on paper, Moxley and Tanahashi for the title. But now it's going to be the main event for the interim AW World Championship. Anybody believes that Tanahashi is going to beat Moxley now? Does anybody believe that we're going to have a New Japan guy win the main event of a mostly pro AEW pay-per-view? Let's 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 keep it a hundred here. Is New Japan Pro Wrestling really benefiting from this pay-per-view? Let's ask that question because as a guy who covers New Japan and is a New Japan guy. I do favor New Japan over AEW. I will go to this pay-per-view rooting for New Japan against AEW. Uh, I'll be upfront with you guys. Is New Japan really benefiting from this show? Because I don't see it. And I don't see it in this card either. So, I'm watching this Battle Royal last night. And I'm I, I, I saying it to myself. Who's benefiting from this match? And what incentive did you have to watch the main event of that episode? Knowing damn well nobody was going to lose to John Mosley. And then, to, to cap it off here, we have Kyle O'Reilly win the match. I do not get this hard on for jo- uh, Kyle O'Reilly recently from Tony Khan. He beats Jungle Boy. He beats Darby Allin. He's winning everything. <laughs> Look, I get he had a nice little run in NXT, but man, you, you, you're making out Kyle Riley to be out more than what he actually is. And I said it last week, you know, him just having this match relying on MMA kicks and doing MMA sparring, sm- MMA sparring sessions is not entertaining. It's not good for television. So this whole thing was ridiculous. I guess Shane Strickland's a heel now because he dumped Keith Lee over the top rope. Um, okay. Great. <laughs> uh, ooh, spooky Shane Strickland. Oh, I'm, I'm really intimidated now. Whatever. Um, that was that. Then we get the announcement of the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. This one we needed. Another singles title that's going to go absolutely nowhere. It served no purpose to anybody on the roster. By the way, bet you any money that a former WWE guy will be the person to win that championship. Just throwing that out there. 
We had Pac against Buddy Matthews. I thought that was a good match. We do talk about the stuff that we do enjoy on this broadcast, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, I thought this was a good match. Um, Pac won with the Black Arrow. No harm, no foul there. Then we had this odd segment with uh, Trent Beretta and FTR. They're glad-handing each other, saying that they want another rematch for the, the Ring of Honor Tag Team's house uh, Rapongi Vice. Uh, and then the whole setup where you, hear, you have Will Osprey's entrance music playing. Like, oh, great. Here's New Japan. Oh, here they come. Like, this completely blowing them off. I get it. It's AW versus New Japan, but I just thought that was very low rent for Dax Hardwood to do it like that. I just, it took away from the moment a little bit for me, but the United Empire and Will Ospreay laid out FTR and um, uh, Trent Beretta. They'll be having a trios match on Rampage coming up on Friday. So that was that. Um, then we had... Let's play this semi here uh, really quick from last night. It was um, William Regal backstage with the Undisputed Elite. Let's say that. Let's play this a little bit for you guys. Kyle O'Reilly advances to face John Moxley later on the night here on Dynamite, but William Regal wanted to address the Undisputed Elite. Kyle, Bobby, I've told you both many, many things over the last few years. But this is John Moxley you're facing. This is a man who sends a shiver down even my spine. Are you sure you're ready for this? After that grueling battle roll, are you sure? Think about your wife, think about your friends. Are they gonna miss you? My best wishes. And it's gonna really hurt me to be on commentary as I have to call you getting your head cracked open. Think about my wife and think about my friends. That's who I think about every time I step into that ring. And I got all the momentum in the world right now. I've got wins over Jungle Boy. Got a win over Ray Phoenix, Darby Allen. I came to AEW to do two things, Tony. Fight the best this world has to offer and fight for the AEW championship. And tonight I get to do both against John Moxley and the man. Right. Listen, all right, kick ass tonight. I got to go do a commentary for this next match. But you got this. You got this. By the way, let's add uh, William Regal to the I Drink the Tony Khan Kool-Aid Club. I heard his little comment and commentary about, oh, this is where we find, leave the entertainment elsewhere. All right, cool. Uh, remind me that, Mr. Regal, the next time I see the wizard on my screen. Fucking clown. Anyways, we have Heyman Page taking on uh, David Finley. Another solid match. Uh, this little AEW versus New Japan, so I didn't have really much of a problem with it, but... This is where my concerns comes in. So we had this back, uh, not backstage. We had this post-match interaction with him and Adam Cole. Both of them are stating their case as to why they should fight Okada at the pay-per-view. Uh, me personally, I don't. I, I have next to zero interest in seeing Heyman versus Okada. I already saw that match in New Japan. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, I would rather see Adam Cole fight Heyman Page if it was me. Uh, I thought the match was fine, but it was what it was. So, again, I, I really have some concerns for this Forbidden Door uh, card, and I'll get more expansive into that in next week's edition of What Does Wrong AW, but it's not looking good so far. I heard, and I heard a report 
about the fact that most of the cards gonna be diluted with a lot of multi-person tag matches. Awesome. Just great. Just awesome, man. Everything in AW is great, man. I, I can't believe people doubt Tony Khan. I, he does absolutely nothing wrong. It, it, it's just amazing. Then we had Wardlow talk with Tony Schiavone. Well, let me get this off my chest really quick. Please, for the love of God, not every other town that talks on the show needs to have fucking Tony Schiavone and his stupid 1984 haircut next to them on the fucking screen, man. Enough of Shivani. We get enough of this shitty glad-handing commentary uh, throughout the show. We don't need it for every backstage interview. Where's Officer Barb Brady? Where's DDP's daughter? Hell, why don't you even have Dasha Gonzalez back there doing backstage interviews? Tony Schiavone backstage. Tony, oh, here's Tony. Uh, here's even Excalibur said it on the show last day. Oh man, this guy has uh, busy feet tonight. Here's Tony Schiavone. I, I it's I have a Schiavone overload. It's too much. It's too much. Wardlow says he wants to become a TNT champion. Before you know, Wardlow and Scorpio Sky are gonna fight at either Fight for the Fallen or Fighter Fest because I'm sure those shows are coming up soon. Um, yeah, it was what it was. Wardlow as a TNT champion is fine by me, but him not being in that battle royal and the reason to opting out of that was not cool with me. And I, uh, hey, everybody says WWE's good. WWE, well, AEW's good. AEW. Um, and how how do we follow up with that? We get an announcement of a triple threat tag team ladder match with the Jurassic Express, my bad, the Jungle Express, and the Hart, Hardy Boys taking on the Hardly Boys in a triple threat ladder match for the AW World Tag Team Titles on Road Ranger. Who in their bright mind thought that seeing after how Jeff Hardy wrestled at Double or Nothing thought, oh, you know it was a good idea? Let's put Jeff Hardy in a goddamn ladder match the uh, the following week. Oh my god, man. Thunder Rosa retained her AEW Women's World title against Marina Shafir and nobody gave a shit. Next, um... Oh, by the way, we had Tony Storm and her glad-handing stuff. Uh, she came out there. Uh, looks like her, uh, Tony, her and um, Tony Rosa will have a title program soon. What would he do? Um, here's the lineup for Rampage this week. In case anybody gives a shit, Eddie Kingston against Jake Hager. Uh, we got Jay Lethal and Satin Singh against Mike Fitchett and uh, David Vega, uh, taxi from AEW Pro here in Chicago. Uh, Chris Statlander against Red Velvet. And then the main event, like I mentioned earlier, the United Empire against FTR and Trent Perez. So that's Rampage for you guys. Let's play a little something here from Eddie Kingston. He gave me a minute. I don't need a minute. Jake Hager. You cost me a chance to be world champion. I promised myself that I was going to be world champion, and you cost me that. Garcia! I hate you. 2.0, whatever your names are. I hate you. Hey, Chris Jericho, I hope you're watching, brother. Get used to this, because I'm still going to get you. Don't count me down. 
Okay, I'm gonna do what I wanna do. I know the little seat thing's 30 seconds. Yeah, hooray. TV. Jake, I want you on Rampage. I don't care if it's after the NBA, after the NHL, whatever it is, I want you on Rampage. I want you on Rampage, and I'm gonna fight you. Come here, come here, come here. Now you can tell the truck, I'm done. This is my outline. We always get a little few glimmers of hope in some St. Graces on this program, but I ask you this. As you watch this show and you think about the last two Dynamites coming off a double or nothing, is there really any momentum going into this Forbidden Door pay-per-view? Do you, like, do you, are you incentivized to pay for this pay-per-view? Will you even watch it live? They got to do a lot in this next couple weeks to get me invested on it, and it's a damn shame because I honestly think that this show coming up on June 26th is really more to prop up AW than it is New Japan. Yeah, New Japan is going to get the nice exposure and stuff like that on the U.S. market and stuff like that, but even then, I don't even think that's enough because honestly, New Japan provides some better wrestling than all elite wrestling, and that's, that's not even up for debate. Um... Yeah, like, they got this tournament for the AEW All-Atlantic Championship. Here we go. Uh, by the way, every I think every person in this bracket outside of whoever's going to be fighting in the New Japan side uh, are all former WWE guys. Like, for example, you had, you had Pog fight Buddy Matthews, two WWE guys. Miro, a former WWE guy fighting Ethan Page. Oh, Malachi Black, another former WWE guy taking on Pentagon Jr. next week. Uh, we got... Uh, we don't we don't know yet who's fighting on the New Japan side, so we'll have to figure that out soon. But you see my point here. I, I mentioned it earlier. Whoever wins this title coming up, uh, uh, they said the title's gonna be crowned at the pay per view, right? So it's a fatal four way match. Whoever wins that match is gonna be a former WWE guy. By the way, no mentions of NJF, no references, no nothing on NJF. Another missed opportunity. I guess the truth hurt a little bit for Mr. Stat Boy Tony. I'm sure he had to run to uh, Uncle Dave and tell, uh, ask for his uh, his ideas on how to handle the situation. Nobody will ever convince me that him and Alvarez are not under payroll or part of the creative team. I heard, I heard a clip floating around on Twitter about... Alvarez gloating about having front row seats and double or nothing. Yeah, no shit. You're part of the fucking creative team. <laughs> no shit you got front row seats. Clown. And then we had the main event, John Moxley and Kyle O'Reilly. I thought Moxley looked good for the, most of the match, but going back to what I said earlier, I was not mostly invested into it because I already know who's going to win. Yeah, it was physical. They did a lot of stuff that you see from other promotions, but this was 100% predictable. I'm not a fan of Kyle O'Reilly's matches. He doesn't get me invested into his work. And um, Moxley winning, cool, whatever. But I, I can't even say this is a paint-by-numbers edition of Dynamite. This is just an uh, episode of Dynamite that went absolutely nowhere. <laughs> Nothing progressed. And, and this, this was just a show in Independence, Missouri. With a good match with Pack and Buddy Matthews. That's my recap for Dynamite this week. 
So we got the Forbidden Door coming up on June 26. We'll see what goes down on Sunday with Goto and Tanahashi. Most likely Tanahashi's going to win that match. And uh, we'll see what happens there. Maybe we'll see some AW people uh, crash that pay-per-view coming up on Sunday. We'll see how that goes. But I have my concerns. I really do. I have my concerns about this card. And... I don't think Tony got Tony Khan was the guy to set up all the angles and stuff like that, and you can tell by the little bit of effort that Gato and the other guys in New Japan are actually participating in this because, for whatever reason, these guys are kowtowing to Tony Khan just like Impact did when they worked with them. So, we're all into Tony Khan plate pit, and everything revolves around what Dave Meltzer wants. So, what the what, what's one of me talking about it? Right, it, it doesn't matter what I have to say. I don't know what I'm talking about. So, on that note, that is what the hell is wrong with AEW this week. This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me for this week's edition of the Hoots Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh Lopez Media. Make sure to check out ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. If this is your first time listening or watching the Hoots Podcast, thank you so much for the support. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, you can subscribe to the podcast free of charge anywhere you get your podcasts from, especially Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher. Also, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube uh, channel. Put it in the search engine, the Hoots Podcast. It'll direct you right there. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And um, again, thank you guys for the support. Um, I just want to say, remember folks, be the authentic product that is yourself. And remember, nobody dictates the pace of your life but yourself and the man upstairs. I love you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Make sure to enjoy NWA's Always Ready. And Dominion will be here to recap it next week on the fun and very fun experience known as the Hoops Podcast. I love you guys. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to y'all next week. Yes, sir.